Oh, there he is. What's up, Mike? Hello. For somebody who's rushing out the door to go see uh, uh, Suspiria, you sure are. Uh... Do they need to get dressed up to see Suspiria? Is it? No, I'm, I'm saying I'm just gonna mock his <laughs> lack of punctuality as usual. We were just oh, mocking okay. you, saying like you're okay. like like a talent, just shows up when you want. It's three three oh two. I call That's it three oh. Good for him. I was like, That's I called pretty... it three oh one. No answer. So I'm like, all right, well, just wait. So I, I gave sixty seconds before for you to initiate the call. And then I initiated the call. If you're on time, you are late, Michael. What makes you different is what makes you Spider-Man. Is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm just distracted good. by it's Hyro's tiny glass that he keeps sipping out of. It's cracking me up. This little... <laughs> yeah, my wife did make fun of you. I don't know if it was on Facebook or Instagram. You're drinking a beer. And she's like, is that like a child's beer like what is that over there <laughs> uh, that is only a woman from kentucky would say some shit like that that is speaking of women from kentucky how about miss baby? kentucky what is wrong with you oh did she was she like texting a teenage boy or something sending nudes to a teenage boy i'm i'm like miss kentucky mm. as a straight white guy i have to bite my tongue but i'm like where is the uh where's the me too movement for all these teenage kids that are just plowing teachers left and right because it's like an <laughs> epidemic I'm like, fuck that where were they when i was in school man yeah there's there's the iron i know mm-hmm. i was like Jesus, that. Man. <laughs> or maybe i was just that ugly fat kid that got no play for the teachers i mean not even the old ones every other guy was fucking the teachers is that your <laughs> yeah I, <guess laughs> I, was <laughs> God, I was left out <laughs> Yeah. Why wasn't I invited to that club? I mean, not even the old ones. I, I mean, I don't expect Miss Kentucky or Miss Florida to be sending me shit, but at least like, Miss Octogenarian could have hooked me up. Wow. Is that what you feel like your life was missing? Having sex with an 80-year-old woman when you were like 15? That's... I just saw Harold and Maude. There you go. Welcome Explains to our everything. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse episode. <laughs> Family friendly. <laughs> Oh boy! How do we get into this one? Am I hosting this? Yes, you are. All right, I'm hosting this. <laughs> this is your idea. So it's my idea for a movie that none of us have seen. Uh, because as I'll see you Thursday, I'll see you this Thursday. I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually want to see this, but yep. since we're recording a week out, uh, Dave, I don't know if you went to some sort of secret screening or you, no, you got to this. talk to one of the animated characters or something you've been doing <laughs> with all of your getting see advice like early. Your and jealousy is coming through a little bit. The fact that I. Got to hear Adam McKay speak. But no, I actually had a chance to see this early, and I was like, eh, I'll wait. It's a cartoon. It's fine. <laughs> All right. That gets us into our subject. Uh, Hyro and myself decided a few episodes back to try to, try to be more positive on this show. Ooh. As we are. Positivity. <laughs> so, All the time. Why did you invite me? <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> so the subject matter I provided for this one that Dave has just completely demolished and negated was... <laughs> <laughs> that make an animated film, you get to do something different, something that is not possible with live action actors. And uh, I guess the cynical take here would be with the Spider Man universe, you can make him black. 
That's cool, right? <laughs> Can't do Hold that. Up. You got to pause that. Way. You got to pose. Like in golf, when you did that drive, that's perfect. You stand and pose. Go ahead. Pose it out, Michael. Just let it drop. Everybody just take a let, moment. Yeah, let, take a moment. In the editing, I can stretch it out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Mike drop pose. the mic on Sony and Marvel all in one shot. Twirl the club a little bit, maybe. You know, do the Chichi Rodriguez and shift it like a sword. Really glad you've given us a really modern reference for your young listeners who are interested in <laughs> Spider-Man to really latch on to with Chi-Chi no, Rodriguez. Not a, dead, a dead golfer from the 60s and 70s? No, I'm not going not gonna to really pull those downloads. That's not, yeah. that's not what we're doing. He's, he's a big fan base. I don't know. <laughs> Dave, do you think this movie is directly targeted at young kids or is this a, like supreme fan service where it's like all the Spider-Men for the first time? <laughs> Um, I think yes is the answer. I think it's I think it is marketed towards young kids. It's definitely I don't think it's going to be a movie that's like you know, you know, because some cartoons that come out are a little darker, a little more like you know, focused towards the adult audience. I don't think that's this, but I also think Spider Man has such a long history, and you know, nerds rule the world at this point. So there's going to be a big there's going to be a big variety of audiences for this movie. I think, and it's also getting like insanely good reviews like people losing their you know grown adults losing their mind not about yet. a cartoon it's like inside out all over again <laughs> so speaking of inside out i'll bring up my first podcast here wow we're just this is probably the best placement ever of a podcast it's like minutes into it so well i mean me and dave will be on our best behavior with this one do what you must so one of the greatest movies uh of the last few years inside out as dave likes to call it um <laughs> This, the, I like this, to call it what it's called. I mean, you, you like to call it the greatest movie of the last few years. Oh, is that, all right, sure. I think my, you, my... You, it's you, I think. So the podcast that I brought to the table this week is called The Rubber Onion. And they're actually animators. They're like a, a group of guys who uh, do animation for a living. I got you. And then they, Cork in the bat they... here against me and Dave. You know how I feel about Inside Out. So you're like actual animators said this many positive things about this movie I love. Go ahead. <laughs> also, <laughs> nerds love Marvel movies. Shocker. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so the Rubber Onion, I, I found it to be really interesting because they take it. They didn't really take too much from the animation. I mean, they got into it, got into some of the uh, stylistic choices that were there with the animation, but they really focused on uh, the sequence in the film where they go into the abstract art sort of uh, like chamber thing. I will say that there. One of my favorite parts of the movie, as an artist, is where they go into, I forget what it was, but it's kind of a chamber of abstract thought. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And the idea the idea is it's just these workers who are like, hey, what are, we, uh, what are we working on today? And I think it was like loneliness or something. Oh, loneliness. Ooh, that's a big one. This ought to be fun. And it's just the idea of sitting down and just thinking about an abstract idea like loneliness or something you know just ruminating on this concept (laughs) but being trapped in the chamber there was different stages that they went through and i'm not going to say them because it's so funny to watch it unfold in front of you and it there's a little clip of it in the trailer um that the whole sequence is so funny and for anyone who's gone through any series of art classes you're going to you're going to die laughing. I mean, I was at the end of that. I was laugh. I was laughing silently. I was doing that. I couldn't push out any more air. I was laughing so hard. And I think that that really highlights 
where you can go with animation. I think it, you know CGI is catching up, and and there's a lot of tips, uh, tricks you can do with live action things like that. But I think animation, I guess the traditional style, is a place where you could still you know create anything, right? You can mm-hmm. you you can just open your mind and and let it fart all out. Um, it's you have physical limitations <laughs> in the CGI you're, world. You're bragging. I on was this. so with you, and then you just you can just open your mind and. Let it fart all out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but there's no I mean, it allows pure freedom, basically. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, and and I think that we're never going to get that from a live action film. We're never going to get to a point where you can anthropomorphize thoughts and feelings and and um, ideas like you did in an, in an animated film like that. Like they go through that entire chamber. And you're seeing all these crazy things. And Dave, this is like plays right into your psychobabble realm where they're <laughs> farted out, Dave. Just farted out. <laughs> where you've got all these like psychological things being brought to life in, in a way that can be understood. And I, I don't think that that movie could have even come close or at least that that degree of specificity could have been done with anything other than animation. So you're saying you don't think there could be an inside out live action movie coming our way i mean disney's remaking everything else into quote-unquote live action these days so you know give it 10 years we'll have inside out the (laughs) the live action version but i think you bring up a good point that there is i won't say no limits to what you can do but there are definitely less limits to what you could do when you have an animated film and that can be really good and that can also kind of hamstring your movie too i think you know sometimes people work really well with constraint uh, but it'll be interesting to see, especially just from what I've seen of the trailers for this new Spider-Man movie, they seem to be doing a lot. I mean, they're bringing a lot of characters, they're doing a lot of different, uh, making a lot of different choices stylistically, and I think it should be really interesting to see. And it's a movie I, you know, all jokes aside, I do look forward to seeing and something I think I'm probably going to enjoy uh, just from what I've seen visually and the voice talent involved. I mean, I think it looks really good, and I think there is a lot, a lot you can do with that. I think the other interesting thing it's something I think of when I think of animated movies and, you know, a quote unquote star kind of headlining these movies, which you get a lot. But it's it seems like uh, these actors like it's kind of a it's an easy paycheck and it's a gimme like no one's going to blame you if your animated film doesn't do well. But if you do a live action movie, they're like, oh, why'd you make that choice? That's horrible. So I think it, it offers some freedom for these actors too to kind of do things not only that their kids can see and that it's family friendly but something that there's almost no risk involved for them like they can kind of do so, so whatever Brad they Pitt want isn't being blamed for sinbad of the seven seas right yeah exactly right still, yeah yeah but there's a good point here that you make right so like um if we go back you to the days, one eventually if i just circled yeah, around just talk keep, about, you know, oh there's that, one well Hiro, babble one on one because he had uh, for some reason brad pitt and sinpad in his, his back pocket there yeah like, I'm Jesus. Amazed. like i forgot that was a thing so that's the first thing that up. came to my mind which is said something about me i guess in my deranged <laughs> uh family life here but no um if you go back to Beauty and the beast and prior to that can you name anybody who was a voice actor in beauty and the beast that thing of putting stars as the voice actors is something that came in the late 90s early 2000s and it's kind of something more modern where you're using these 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 names to market a film but back in the day like in beauty and the beast time uh um ariel time uh uh, help me out what's 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 the mermaid the little mermaid little mermaid robin williams is probably the big robin williams is the genie right but anybody else in that movie that you recognize yeah, I mean, I, I kind Godfrey, of, I kind of agree with you. Like, I guess Shrek 
is where they had like three known actors playing yes. three well, except, leads. I mean, guys, we're kind of leaving out a movie like The Lion King, which was full of known voices. Uh, James Earl Jones, you got Matthew Broderick. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I guess, was known Ooh. at that you're, point. You're losing is that me. the full house? <laughs> Is that the kid from the house with a neighbor that would constantly peek over? Yes, that is correct. That pervert. Yes. So don't pretend like you don't know. <laughs> I have to admit, Dave, that when uh, Hyra was able to drop Brad Pitt in something called Sinbad in the Seven Seas, getting like the you know middle child from <laughs> Home Improvement, not that impressive, <laughs> Disney. Also, also Whoopi Goldberg, Jeremy Irons. I mean, there were a lot of big stars. In right. Movie, but, but I but think that's go... probably where it started to take off right. was the popularity of that. Then they're like, oh, we can – have these recognizable voices and faces because we can draw the character to look at least a little bit like them, you know, moving forward. And that's become kind of the go-to, which I think is kind of unfortunate because I think there's a lot of talented voice actors out there. And I don't think like people are running to the latest animated movie because fill in the blank superstar is in it. I mean, if you have kids, you're going to take them to whatever movie it's going to shut them up for 90 minutes. So you're going to go to these Amen. animated movies. That's the truth. But <laughs> but when you talk about the, you make another good point about the talented voice actors that don't get a lot of love because they're being replaced by these big stars. You look at, you know, the nerds are always doing this, right? Who's the best Batman? Who's the best Superman? Right. And Kevin often Cameron Conroy is brought Jesus up. Christ. You know, you don't see <laughs> fucking idiots. You brought up, hold on. You brought up this topic. Mike. Really you're Adam not, West. <laughs> you're going to let us nerd out a little bit on our, our animation voice actor knowledge here. I, I have nothing against Kevin Conroy. I, I think probably Batman, the animated series, that version of Batman is by far the most iconic as far as that's the cleanest version of Batman. What I take issue with, and I think Dave and I disagree on this point, is when people want, you know who should play the Joker? Mark Hamill. No, no, Mark Hamill should not play the Joker. He's great. as, But when you actually see him there, or you see Kevin Conroy, God knows how old he is now, he's not that, that, he's not going to be Batman. Yeah. Just let it go. Let he's him a goofy-looking dude. I wasn't going to go that far. I was just going to, I guess I was going to be a little ageist. Say, man. I was going to be a little ageist. That's why you don't want them to do the roles, because they're goofy-looking dudes. No, because they're old. (laughs) And goofy looking dudes. I don't know if Mark Hamill is. 55 year old Joker running around limping from one to the next. He's good to go. Well, he's not the best Joker, so, you know. Yeah, I don't don't know if Mark Hamill is uh, too goofy looking to be the Joker. I think that's actually a plus in the Joker (laughs) column. I just worry that he can't run anymore. Like, right. this would be dangerous for him at this point. He spent the last Star Wars movie just sitting on a rock. So let's just let him calm down and ease into his, his later years. So I hadn't really thought about this, but I'm kind of interested in, I guess, where you two fall. Like, it sounds like at a certain point uh, when animation was starting to be taken more seriously. And I guess Disney probably had a lot to do that with what Beauty and the Beast was, right? The first animated nominated for nominated. Best Picture. Right. That's right. Uh, Lion King is considered a, a modern classic. It sounds like at that time, having established actors was a way to sort of position these as real movies for adults. Like everyone, these are, these are not just, I mean, the kids can enjoy them, but they're not just babysitting tools anymore. And I certainly, I guess, with Little Mermaid, I think there's a stark turn from what was the, like, what was Disney putting out in the 80s? Like what? Was there like Fox and the Hound or like great movie? But I feel like those are relegated to throw them on Saturday morning, let the kids watch them, learn a little life lesson. And Beauty and the Beast is like this is going to be like your big winter production. Like they're they're positioning it so everyone can come out and see it. Dave, though, are you saying like this sort of somewhat unfortunate to lose lose those maybe more anonymous actors where animation maybe had a little bit more freedom to just be 
just be an animated property and not be we have to hit all four quadrants and this is for everybody yeah exactly i mean i think that's you know that's the the kind of mixed blessing of a of a movie like uh like beauty and the beast which one didn't have a lot of known actors but made a lot of money and made a lot of noise when it came critically when it came to awards so then they realized oh we can we can kind of have it all as a corporation. We can make these good movies and we can also bring in more money if we bring in these big stars. So I guess the, the parents have something to focus on other than their, other than their children for an hour and a half. Like, Oh, I can go dying their slow death. Yeah. Uh, but it's also interesting to go back. Like if you go back and watch these kind of old Disney properties, you'll start to recognize these voice actors because they reused a lot of the same voice actors but being able to play very different roles but now you know we're such kind of a fame-driven culture that it's like no we have to get the biggest star who we can get be in this so we can market this movie not just to parents but to these you know aging hipsters who are now like you know oh i I can see animated movies and it's still cool but now i have a star to latch on to so they kind of get a little bit of everybody which i think is understandable but still kind of unfortunate it's also like uh, the the we talk about the actors being in the films and then you get these big names, but I think starting with Shrek, you start to get a lot of in jokes in there that are pointed right at adults. Oh yeah, and for sure. very very adult heavy hidden things give them something to be entertained by, right? Um, and Inside Out also ha- is very heavy, and it, it's like a, a child can view it from one perspective, but somebody who is an adult and kind of in a different place in their life you know, perceives that movie very differently. So I think it's, it, it, you're right. I mean, yeah, we're, we're moving away from, Hey, let's just do our thing. And, and that, but I think it goes a little bit beyond that. I mean, they're trying to, like you said, Mike is to capture all the quadrants and the plot is also a big part of that, or, or, you know, the script and all that, all those things that are meant to entertain adults as well as kids. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely getting more complex, right? Like, you know, it's, you know, Mike, you brought up this idea of like, here, sit your kids in front of this for 80, 90 minutes and they'll learn a life lesson and it's pretty blatant and pretty, you know, on the nose and it's pretty easy to see. Whereas I think these movies now, you know, for better or worse, depends why you're going, right? If you're going so your kids have something to watch and they learn kind of a simple lesson, maybe it's getting further away from that uh, because of the complexity involved. Like, I'm not saying like a kid's not going to learn something from Inside Out, but I feel like there are lessons in that movie that are are more catered towards adults or people who are thinking in more complex ways. Whereas kids, a lot of it might go over their head. You know, they're still going to enjoy it. There's still there's still jokes in there for them. There's still fun stuff in there for them. But like with that complexity comes like maybe it's like okay, so who is your audience for this now, Mike? Like you brought up, you know, with Spider Man, is is this for kids? Is this for adults? Is this for you know nerds of all ages? What are what are we going for here? I know I'm I'm looking forward to it because it does it's not necessarily a good thing as far as the state of the industry but you know our our lead Spider-Man here as far as I know is by the, the guy that was in Dope a couple summers mm-hmm. ago and I remember when they were casting for the official sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man I was like this is a huge missed opportunity we've had two different franchises with Sony doing the Peter Parker origin story and they did navigate those waters by i guess just not doing the origin again for the Marvel yeah but version. they just still define the palest white boy you can find and put him in this role <laughs> so i guess you know it's a positive for animation that in this version of spider-man it's like they're putting out i guess just sort of thought balloons as far as what if spider-man was a teenage girl the gwen stacy version 
mm-hmm. voiced by in this case uh, Haley Steinfeld, and you know you have Jake Johnson doing Peter Parker, and Pretty I don't great. think. I like Jake Johnson, but I don't think it was ever in the cards in recent times no. that Jake Johnson was ever going to be seriously considered as Peter Parker. They were so, going to hitch that to Jake Johnson, so semi-star of New Girl. It's yeah. kind of cool that, I guess, for me as a comic book fan, the more comic book version of this is actually going to be this feature. Now, I'm saying that side unseen, <laughs> but as far as evolving and progressing and having those sort of second tier or new generations of like that iconic hero you're going to get that in this. Whereas with the, you know, the third version of Spider-Man from Sony, right. the same Peter Parker, sort of the same personality type. And there are some people that are comforted by that, but here I think they're really throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. And I could see like in future live action versions, if this is a hit that people are going to become more aware of who Miles Morales is. And maybe, maybe they make their way into, you know, the real live action version. So in that Man, way, I you think, are optimistic. You're like a glass half full type of guy. Well, aren't honestly, you? I mean, you're like, oh boy, this might bring people hey, you to wanted, you like something other than Mike. the standard. You did want more positive but that we're getting two years ago. Would you have said, you know what? I bet you there's going to be a big Christmas animated film about Spider-Man, even though there's already a live action version. Sony's running and we're going to have like 16 different versions of Spider-Man on it. I would have said, no, that's stupid. There's no way they're going to do that. Why not? I mean, like the the, the DC animated – do you guys watch those, the DC animated films or those like movies that they put out? Um, not real movies, nope. sir. Nope. Okay, so this I am a connoisseur of nonsense. those. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't go them. to my local Best Buy to see the premiere of a new DVD <laughs> from DC that week. <laughs> At least Sony is giving us a wide release. Live action movies. So, hey, you know. Streaming is streaming, my friend. Aren't you doing like a Buster Scruggs episode here soon or something like that? I don't I mean, know. I'd, rather, I'd rather watch that than Man of Steel again. That's that's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, first off, the, 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 what what defines a film like now? Like, look at you guys. We're supposed to be positive here. You're just like uh, shutting down. This is a whole other episode. What defines a film? Let's not even get into that. You, you, like, you don't get to like, play that card after getting on to me of saying, you know what? Maybe if this is a hit, we'll see some more progressive versions of Spider-Man. And you're you're catcalling me from the back row. Of me, oh, horse shit! Never gonna <laughs> not happen. Not even a movie. <laughs> but you know There's what's no interesting? Way. What's going on DC on it's DVD? Let's get into that. <laughs> Yeah, please, let's know. There was a very interesting sex scene in the last one that I saw, the okay. uh, Joker thing. Yet again, I think that's uh, going back to the audience. Who, who yeah. exactly is the audience for this for? material? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Who, I, think, the, I, think I, I just don't share your your optimism in that uh, mainstream Hollywood or big Hollywood is going to change anytime soon when the money keeps rolling in with the status quo. That's why Disney remakes their own movies with a different kind of animation, right? That's why we get the same Marvel crap. I mean, there is something to what you're saying, but because Sony is holding on with a death grip to the Spider-Man franchise, anything that works. Yeah. They're they're going to every Spider-Man character under the sun. They're going to produce a feature. So in this way, maybe that greedy corporation will actually benefit society because they just need new characters. They need to do something different. So, Mike, when you brought up when you first brought up this idea of like, you know, maybe I'm thinking positively, maybe this will spur. Yeah, you Sony better not attack or, me as well. No, no, I'm not going to attack you. But I actually I hope it goes in the other direction. And, and here's why. Look at Dave. More white. Because I think <laughs> the reason they can involve all these characters and have a black Spider-Man is the fact that it's not beholden to any cinematic universe at this point. It doesn't have to tie in to the other Spider-Man movies. It doesn't have to tie into anything. So I actually hope they just, if this is as good as people say it is, and I really do hope it is, I hope they just keep making these and kind of run their own little universe instead of 
you know, having this effect on Sony, because I have no faith in Sony. I mean, Sony put out, and granted, it made a lot of money, but they put out Venom this year, which is a terrible movie. Settle down. Great movie. Terrible movie. Top 10 of the year. Yeah, many Chinese viewers would agree with you. So it made a bunch of money. It did. It made a bunch of money in China. Those (laughs) Chinese guys, (laughs) their opinion doesn't matter. uh, Pacific Rim. You know what? I'm going to make a new new Marcus Blade as Spider-Man. <laughs> Please, God, now we're getting into a child molester. Like, we're getting into all sorts of dark avenues. You know what? Here's a new rule. We're not going to come into a show trying to be positive, because it just ends up being so much worse. We come in negative, work it out of our system, and then we resolve with positivity. Go ahead, oh, Dave. I'm you were saying something positive. about... I really hope they make, like, ten more of these animated features, and they all do really well, and then they can really push the envelope and do different things. And I, I, I think... think... Here's my point, Dave. That a certain... The hope would be... That at a certain point for up and coming generations, the Miles Morales or Gwen Stacy is their version of Spider Man, to where it's right, not. So you want to normalize the non Peter Parker version, so that's what they think of. So then we have an option of which character we look at in a live action movie. I mean, I... not only just from a political point of view, but I think that's it is it would be good for future generations to see someone like themselves in the title <laughs> role, not as the sidekick or the best friend. I also say that as presumably if I live long enough, which if I keep podcasting with two of you, uh, I've got decade tops. <laughs> no. yeah. it's but at a certain point, even as the crusty old white dude, don't you just get fucking bored? Don't you just want to yes. see like, let's just see exactly. a different Spider-Man for once. Like that. I well, feel I like really, everyone should talk like about this. Line. You're not the crusty old white dude. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, politics aside and, and, you know, representation aside and all that stuff, I, I, I mean, don't you get bored of the same old plot line, origin, et cetera, et cetera, move along. I, I mean, at least this is opening different avenues of storytelling. Um, a, anything would be better, I guess, than what we're getting. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So not to, like, stand up for comic book movies, which I am loath to do, but, like, I hate this this idea of like nothing could be worse than what we're getting. Were you around when like the original Fantastic Four came out? What we have now is much better oh, and no, much much more higher quality. You know what I mean? So like and I and I get I get people being impatient with origin stories, specifically origin stories we've seen five different times, like like the Spider Man. Yes, but like honestly, that doesn't bother me. Every you know, it's kind of the old Stan Lee thing. Is like every comic book or every every comic book movie is somebody's first. You know, so I don't want some ten-year-old walking into <laughs> as long a, as you're movie a ten-year-old white kid, a white male. <laughs> yeah. No, but what I'm saying is like or not everyone not has the background. Like, if you're a ten-year-old seeing your first comic book movie, you might not have the background. And if it just jumps into it, then you're like, "Why do I care about this character? What's going on? Who gives a shit?" So you need. I think sometimes you need that origin story. We're getting another one with Captain Marvel. We're, that movie is going to be all origin story. That's that's all that movie is going to be. So I think sometimes it's necessary, especially for a character maybe we don't know as well as Spider Man. I'm going to switch off of uh, comic book movies. See, because I think we've got our hashtags for Marvel MCU yeah. Captain Can't Marvel. Yeah, we got them. Yeah, I just throw that in there. <laughs> So when I was thinking about this uh, topic, I was trying to think of maybe properties that, and I guess you all could say these two films are a mess, but I was thinking of like Waking Life from Richard Linklater, which... Of course you were. Well, you could, okay, you could could make that live action, but it would legitimately just be two people sitting in a room, various people, or walking down the street, having conversations. 
which yeah, we know Licklater is terrible at that. <laughs> I know, God, <laughs> jeez. No, I hear Louis what you're saying. No, I, hear what you're I, I would argue that uh, if you remove uh, the romance from the before trilogy and we suddenly cut to a dude yelling about his hot dog, those films <laughs> may not be as successful. Five stars, <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, a scanner darkly. So Philip K. Dick novel, which you know, that's uh, I guess other than Blade Runner. Um, I wouldn't say his stuff in the mainstream uh, is that maybe his like the people that's super approachable stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think he would be referenced as an author as far as like, Oh, that's like, he does sci-fi stuff. Like, I think he has name recognition. He does that weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> not property recognition. So something like a no. scanner darkly, I think could have, could have easily been done live action, but the podcast that uh, I found on this, it's actually a decent concept. It's not a professional uh, animated crew. They're Hiro, so God. Yeah, take that for what you <laughs> Only want. the best. Only uh, the best for me. This is uh, someone uh, hosted uh, by Tracy. It's called Off My Shelf. And her premise is, in alphabetical order, she pulls DVD off the shelf and has a guest on, and they talk about it. And that's going to be the entire run. It's just, she's just watching or rewatching stuff she's bought. That sounds like a Deniston move right there. That's like, I got to watch these movies I haven't watched. Let me just. What pull if she buys a new one that's a couple letters behind? What happens? Well, I guess you could always restart, right? You could loop back around. Yeah, after you get through the Z's, you start over again with the ones that you've bought since the podcast. Do you podcast see that started. shelf behind, Michael? Do you know how long it's going to take? Uh, yeah, I, honestly, yeah. That the would, the, would the be full decade he has left to live. <laughs> it's going to be just <laughs> watching. And movies. you know what? I'll just keep selling off my disc because I'm like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> See, Mike's the opposite. He's not going to buy more. He's going to start getting rid of them. Uh, right. Nope. <laughs> well, he makes the trip worth it, man. He just gives them away when you get there. That's true. Um, let's see. Episode three. It was on 500 Days of Summer, which does not apply here, and uh, A Scanner Darkly. And so uh, the 500 Days of Summer conversation was kind of interesting because that's a film that I think ages differently. So like when she bought it and then as you get older, maybe you get a little bit more agitated or you get more understanding. Scanner Darkly, not so much more understanding here. Like the <laughs> the conversation <laughs> was – dead. Yeah, it's <laughs> very shot. difficult. There's a very difficult entry point. But what they were talking about was the fact that it was animated sort of allows the viewer – to accept things that they may find more questionable. But what they did was they filmed it and then they literally drew and painted over the, the top film. of everything. Yeah. 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 But I really liked that because you still, versus it being full animation, you still get like certain parts where like we were watching it and I'm like, oh yeah, like that is Robert Downey Jr. And that's something mm. Keanu Reeves would do. And it's because they actually are doing it. Yeah. But because it's a weird world that they live in and like it's a weird drug thing that's happening to them, I liked that that was how everybody how the movie was made because it kind of was like oh maybe that is what's happening inside of his brain that everything well, does look that you way. get the dissociation from the drug use yeah. as well as you understand that it is still a reality yeah. right because you you recognize the people you recognize the world it's just made in such a way that you're just like this isn't right you know yeah. like even at the very beginning where it's what the first time he gets out of the suit and he's his brain isn't broken as yet and he's just walking on the street and he's just talking to people. Yeah, his friends are druggies and stuff, but he's got his... He's fine. He's, he's got he's his fine. stuff together. Yeah, he's got his stuff together. His ducks and, in a row. Yeah, and you're like, okay, this is just a day. All right, fine. But, you know, this animation layer makes you dissociate from it. Makes you realize this, there's something fishy oh, happening, right? Happening. Yeah, something's going around. And it was interesting because I was thinking, yeah, you could do this live action, but... 
when you're already entering that sort of rotoscope sort of weird animation style where it is Keanu Reeves, but it has this sort of floating, uh, almost drug-induced haze to it. I, I was thinking, yeah, I did accept a lot more. Whereas if it was just Keanu staring at the camera saying, here's what this future is like now, here's this weird drug that causes people to act this way. I'm wearing a suit where <laughs> the self that I project morphs into various the matrix. Have you not seen a scanner darkly? No, but it sounds like you're describing the matrix. Mm, no, I think Cairo would hate a scanner darkly. He would yeah. be so frustrated. I've got it on my Netflix it. queue. It'll arrive in a few years. Uh, let me just say, Cairo, <laughs> it's it's a little bit more complicated than uh, I have feelings, and sometimes I cry. <laughs> a little inside out shot. That's <laughs> like it. <laughs> Taking those Pixar bullets over there, man. <laughs> I mean, I'll, this is Mike. He's just modularizing, taking a small sec. I had just, already like forgotten about that segment of the conversation. Mike I know. You just just back, kicking like, the oh, entire psychological profession shit. in the balls. That's fine. I mean, we need it. Ah. That's fine. <laughs> Jesus, man. Your st- poor astrologies. I, I like that. Uh, I'm being accused of marginalizing people, and Dave blamed Venom. Entirely on Chinese people. <laughs> Chinese people. <laughs> I, I blame them for Venom and Pacific Rim. They got one right. They got one wrong. It's fine. Okay. Steven. So, A Scanner Darkly, which Hyro's not seen, is giving a very confused look. Uh, Dave, you have seen it. I hope. I have. Right? Yes. Okay, yes, so do you think their point is valid that by the fact that you were watching, as you said at the top of the show, a cartoon, that you're a little bit more accepting of the oddities of the world than if, um, like maybe a Cronenberg movie... You've got, like, I don't know, a gynecologist or a dentist, and then you open the door and there's a fucking, like, vagina monster staring you in the face. <laughs> Wait, hold up. What is Cronenberg. this? I'm here. Go this, watch this, Dead this was not a specific movie, Hiro. I'm sorry to mislead you. I'm just <laughs> saying like Jesus. a Cronenberg movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's a movie that I've watched twice now, and the first time I watched it, like, I had this really violent hatred toward, towards it. Like, just couldn't stand it because it just – it felt like it was – it's a very much a try-hard movie. It's trying to be different. It's trying to push boundaries, and it kind of well, just rubbed me the wrong way. It's Days and Confused, um, the not-so-fun version. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think the thing I really like about it is that kind of strange animation style, which if you haven't seen it, kind of looks like like a hand-drawn, like a, like a tracing around live action. So there's this slight kind of extra movement going on. And I think the great thing about it is it really fits kind of what a mindfuck that movie is because the same thing visually is kind of happening to you. It's the same thing that's happening to your brain as you're watching it. It's like, what is happening here? Something, it doesn't look quite right. It looks a little bit off. Uh, and it definitely has a lot of interesting ideas uh, like like most Philip K. Dick stuff does. But I think if you did just do that live action, as, lo- as much as I love to just look at Keanu Reeves, which I do, I don't think that movie works at all. I think I probably would have turned it off about 15 minutes in if you don't have the animation as- aspect. So it lets you, it gives you an end to a movie that has no ends. You know, there's no real entry points to that movie, but the animation kind of gives you that. So you just kind of accept what's going on. Let me defend uh, Inside Out, I guess, from myself, because I can <laughs> I can see. Hyro's awake now. What? What? Well, I can Inside see Hyro uh, forming his uh, his attack on a movie that he's not seen, which just means it's an attack on me and you. And yeah. on that on that thought, like something like Inside Out. Even if you were trying to get across the same exact idea, say you take the same script and um, I can't remember who the voices are, Hiro. Uh, uh, Amy Poehler. Okay, so you have her. You put her in, what, like a blue wig? And, like, you know, try to play her up as, like, some sort of fairy, like fairy of feelings. That's going to get real 
cooling real fast. Like it's oh, it's, yeah. it's going to come feeling. You should trademark that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I don't know. She's got the pixie cut. Yeah, no, that's Dave's new podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think we already have that with a. Uh... With uh, that empathy podcast, I think we've already got. Whoa, whoa! Why is positive a podcast? Make up all that. I'm gonna ask Noan for a little clip, thirty second promo for his show to put He'll right there. Love that. Right there. People love that. People love that. But I guess the issue would be like something like Inside Out that can work because I accept how the characters look. Whereas if it was live action, I'd be like, what is this? Like an extended SNL sketch? Like they can't be serious. There's, there's some sort of darkness underneath this. And there's not, nor should there be when you're targeting towards children and families and all of that. Let me ask you this. So you guys are bringing up Scanner Darkly and Inside Out in from the perspective of the animation helps uh, drive the story or allow you into the story, right? Right. Scanner Darkly, the animation allows you into something that's a little more complex. Inside Out allows you into something that's more silly visually, right? Have you guys seen a movie called Loving Vincent? Uh, It came out, I believe, last year, maybe the year before. It's basically a story of Van Gogh, later days in his life, but um, animated through in Van Gogh style, heavy brush strokes, um, and, and that sort of thing. Do, if you guys saw that, and do you see that adding anything to a what's really a vanilla story? It's just Van Gogh doing his thing, or just the people around him, sort of uh, being impacted by him. But there's not a lot of crazy in that movie that well, wouldn't be. Able, you were able to get into it if it was live action. I've not seen it, but is it? Are you saying it's uh, sort of your standard like biopic where it's like? Yeah, it, well, it's not a biopic. It's just, it's just. I guess yes. It's a, it's like a truncated biopic. But that that sort of style gives you sort of a visual reason to sort of celebrate the man more, right? Because you're actually seeing his art on screen, or you're seeing it sort of stylized, like in the way yeah, that he the, saw the, the world. The, the animation is stylized in his technique, I guess. But it doesn't help you into it. I guess it helps you maybe visualize that medium uh, or of his art, but not really to uh, like allow you into this story that might be cloying, crazy, mm. um, but isn't it just like, insane. I mean, again, I haven't seen it either, but isn't it just kind of a cool reminder of who this man is? That we're following, like, why should I care about this person if it's just like this simple story? Like, oh yeah, it's it's a visual reminder of this is an extremely talented artist who we all care about and we should be interested in. By using why should I be reminded of of the character that Melissa McCarthy's playing this year? It's a biopic. It's why do I give a shit about somebody who lost forged a bunch of letters? You asshole! Because it's context. (laughs) Because it's context of the story. It's why you care. Otherwise, you'll just be sitting here complaining about, oh, it's just a slice of life. Who gives a shit? Like, well, because you. Here's the context for you. <laughs> it's still just a story about a person in the, in the end. I mean, it's just... Every movie! Every movie ever made is just a story about a person. Jesus Christ. Like Pyro Venom. with his, his go-to, like, I've seen this before. Yes, you have. It's another story about human beings on film. I hate it. <laughs> Awful. But but you do understand what I'm saying, right? There's a... No. So, Loving Vincent, they give you... <laughs> In the film, they give you. I know you haven't seen it. No, no, I'm saying I don't understand other than we're we're staying on brand where you have like one fist is love and one fist is hate. Because I'm like, oh, (laughs) you're kind of selling me on this. And then like you smack me down. I'm like, oh, I guess I don't want to see this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But you do you do understand like the film itself holds the celebration. Like you understand why you're watching it. There's nothing added from that animation. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, It's just like, I mean, you guys do have a point that it does sort of show you his style, his art, but it, I think that the movie would have sufficed without it. I mean, the the, the 
the gimmick of it is the mm. is the style. It's not a great movie, but it's, that's, that's what they're going for. I would like our movie to suffice. That's what. <laughs> that's pretty much what for. it did. I mean, <laughs> you coated it with grape cream. So you're using that as an example that um, you know the animation, either the the property or the story they're telling is good enough on its own that it didn't need that, or are you saying they're hanging their hat entirely? on on it being an animated film and that's really the only reason you would make it was to do it that way i i think so i mean i think it's definitely the the only way you would care to watch it i mean people <laughs> care to watch all kinds of biopics right i mean people watch fucking ray charles's biopic and, oh, and johnny rhapsody. cash's biopic bohemian rhapsody and they're fine i mean they're fine movies um i've kind of grown tired of the biopic because um, you don't see a lot of uh, new things being done with it. I, I like when they, they do like a marker on a life, like a the, like a very small chunk of something that happened. I mean, um, I hear what you're saying, but with this example that you're using, it's almost like <laughs> you're enjoying it to a point, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. You tried to fool me with all these fancy pictures. I know what you're doing. I actually don't like this. How dare you? <laughs> That's exactly what is this. You lured me into this, and it's just the same shit that I've gotten tired of, just with crayons. Yeah, I hate when movies are a visual medium. It's terrible. Fuck. It's the worst. I hate it when they look good. <laughs> just fill in black and good. white sepia tones. <laughs> just make it boring. Well, I think what we're really talking about here is it's even beyond just animated films. It's how, you know, with it being a visual medium, how do you relay information and I guess do it in an efficient manner? Which is weird because I know in a previous episode, you and I were we briefly talked about how much we both enjoyed Silence, which is is not brief in any way. And, you know, to be honest, the film probably doesn't work at 90 minutes because <laughs> if you skip through the torture and pain, it's like, oh, that was pretty quick. Like that. It wasn't yeah. too bad at all. Just make it a montage. Just <laughs> right. like a you got to have those. Seconds, you gotta, I like, want to watch every second of those waves crushing those dudes. Be the Rocky every Ford second of it, Marty. We'll be fine. Just. <laughs> So we've Moving heard along, Scorsese. a little bit from Hiro recommending a movie to me and then taking it back immediately. <laughs> oh, I wasn't recommending it. I was recommending. It. I was just trying to open the discussion as to like what animation does for a film. What is it? What is it truly impacting on the film uh, from the viewer's perspective and also from the filmmaker trying to sort of sell you on this film? I mean, I think with the Spider-Man movie, just because we're all three operating off the trailers, that there's a particular look to it that let's just say they were, they put 150, 200 million dollars at it and made it live action. Is there something that they could do? Do we have confidence that there's a filmmaker that could make it, could distinguish it from the Spider-Man homecoming series enough to where it would feel different, would feel like an event onto its own. Because when I saw this, sorry, Dave, I saw this like post credits to Venom. Like this was like a little teaser, like a one scene oh, type yeah, thing. That's right. Uh, mm -hmm. That was the first I'd seen of it. And I'm like, Oh, that actually looks really cool. And it's mm -hmm. because it was animated. It just, you know, it's got that, weird, I guess, cell shading sort of look that was popular, like in the sort of mid 2000s. And the characters look kind of elongated a little bit. So the way they move, yeah, it's, it's, it's flex. very yeah. stylized. And I guess if they just had actors, you know, poor Jake Johnson, that I'll keep picking on as Peter Parker. For, that would probably be the only talking point I'd have is like, what the fuck is Jake Johnson doing playing old Peter Parker? Like, this is strange. Whereas <laughs> he's just the voice. I don't know. It gives me a selling point that it's just, it's just different enough. But I'm sure mm -hmm. if we were not. I don't want to say harassed, but if we were not constantly getting, um, you know, led to yet another MCU property that we would feel that if it, let's just say it was flipped, 
and we'd had 19 Marvel anime cartoons like Hyrule would want with the DC Universe, except, you know, they're coming to theaters. You're damn right, baby. Give it to me. <laughs> and this was the first Spider-Man movie. I remember how excited I was when the Sam Raimi one, when you got to see a live-action Spider-Man for the first time. I think it's just, you, know, you just changed up. It's like food or drink something or something. New. Yeah, just, yeah. just you Amen. know what, I'm, I'm burned out on that. Let's just try something. And things will come back, like the cell shading, uh, just, I don't know, little visual motifs, like... Uh, I think Dave, you know, I've had a previous conversation where we both kind of laughed before at like how often in like thrillers, uh, something's called like Hitchcockian. It's like, you know, that stuff, that stuff, like if it's been a while, if you give it a rest for a little bit, you'll be like, oh, cool. This feels like a classic film. But if you see a string of it or like the Tarantino ripoffs from the mid nineties, you're like, fuck enough Mm -hmm. with gangsters talking about pop culture. I've had enough of this. Right. So I I guess, however, that's the thing is that I'm not asking for animated films to like break entirely new ground, but you know, when it's a change of pace, it's a good avenue to take your, your film, as with any other visual style. Is that positive enough? Can we please, please, God. Dave, don't say anything about <laughs> like, another country. No, no, no. I completely agree with everything you said. How about that? <laughs> I don't, but uh, I'll, I'll be positive here. <laughs> I felt like yeah, I was Hiro agreeing with your point, Hiro. <laughs> no, I, which is always always great. It's always great, but... Uh, no, I, I think the 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 variety is definitely what um what I I'll, I'll always hang my hat on that right. It's what my number one complaint is that you know Marvel's always the same or or you know Star Wars is always the same or whatever it is. You know, variety is a spice of life, man. And and if it if it means getting a little more stylized animation or something different, um, then so be it, man. Or getting a black I'm, I'm all for Latino it. lead, that's pretty cool. As long as they're not Chinese, right, Dave? I'm hanging up. <laughs> On that note, Dave. Oh, no, we're... no, let's get into this. What Chinese actor would you cast, Tyro? Tell, teach uh, me about representation, please. Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> See, if I say start naming names, I'm not sure where these cats come from. And remember, you know John Cho is Korean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. So I, I, we, I was just typing in John Cho. Damn it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite Chinese guy right now is Blop. I don't know. He stumped this tape. I thought the podcast was over. I thought we stopped it. Yeah. Right on. Well, I was on on uh, giving Dave a hard time about blaming the Chinese. I was gonna. I was like, Dave, where can people find your film writing? <laughs> <laughs> In Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>